Welcome to Around Noble County Sports with your host from the Journal, Ed Brickeen. Good day, everybody, and welcome to episode two of Around Noble County Sports for the 2018-2019 athletic year. My name is Ed Brickeen, and I will be taking you around the county, bringing you all the prep sports coverage from weeks three and four of the season. First and foremost, I would like to give my best wishes to all those affected by the severe weather on the eastern seaboard. I wish you all the best, good luck, and Godspeed. Now, on with the show. We begin week three on the gridiron, and it was a tough night for the Zeps as they made the long commute to Beaver Local. It was a slugfest that featured 27 penalties, just three completions for Shenandoah, and 205 yards on the ground for the Zeps. Shenandoah never trailed in this game until the final point went on the board. Junior running back Kendall Sherman scored from 55 yards out. A failed two-point conversion gave Shenandoah a 6-0 lead. After 24 minutes of play, the halftime score was Shenandoah 6 and Beaver Local nothing. Beaver Local tied the contest at 6 with a 5-yard rush in the third quarter. Shenandoah's special teams defense showed up, blocking an extra point to keep the score tied. Beaver Local, who were driving when the fourth quarter came to an end, miscounted their timeouts, and clock mismanagement cost them an opportunity to win the game at the end of the fourth quarter. That pushed us to overtime, and in overtime, Ethan Wiley scored a touchdown on the ground as he opened things up from three yards out. A two-point conversion failed. Shenandoah still held a 12-6 lead. Shenandoah was burned on the ground, this time by the quarterback from Beaver Local. From 11 yards away, they scored to tie the contest. This time, the point after sailed through the uprights, and Local escaped with a 13-12 victory over Shenandoah at home. This would drop the Zeps to 1-2 on the season. It was a much different story in Caldwell as TCC came to the fairgrounds. Caldwell beat the Saints of TCC 46-19. Coach Grant Gatos is quoted saying, We knew our advantage was up front. They really showed up tonight. I'm not sure how many yards there were, but there was a lot of them. To answer Coach Gatos' question, there were 392 yards on the ground and a whopping five scores. Caldwell also converted five of their six two-point conversion attempts. Drew Ivey led the way into the end zone with three scores. Dalton Wheeler and Caden Moore each had a touchdown. However, it wasn't just the offense that was putting the points up on the board. Quarterback and linebacker Tanner DeVold didn't throw much during the game, but he did score as he ran back an interception 30 yards for the pick six. The defense also blocked two extra points from TCC. The scoring began in the first after a TCC punt forced by an 11-yard sack by Jonah Croucher. Ivy rumbled and stumbled a la Marshawn Lynch in beast mode for 52 yards and the opening score of the contest. It would be the opening score in the first quarter. In the second, after DeVold ran back his interception for a touchdown, the ensuing two-point conversion attempt was denied, the only time that would happen in the game. With the score 14 to nothing, TCC connected on a 59-yard score through the air. The point after try was successful, and with 7-18 left in the first half, the teams were separated by seven points. Caldwell answered in the form of Caden Moore. He took the ball 25 yards to Pater, and Caldwell picked up two more points with the conversion. TCC, however, was not going to roll over. On fourth and goal from the 12-yard line, Anthony Fredericks 
pulled in the reception and the score for the Saints. The missed point after, via the first of two blocks by Caldwell, made the score 22-13. The ensuing kickoff from TCC went out of bounds, giving Caldwell the ball on their own 35-yard line. It took just one play for Dalton Wheeler to take it to the house from 65 yards out. After another successful two-point conversion, Caldwell held a 30-13 lead. Another TCC drive stalled with 30 seconds to play in the half, and the score at the break, 30 for Caldwell, 13 for TCC. Caldwell got the ball again to begin the third quarter. One minute and 59 seconds later, Drew Ivey crossed the goal line from 24 yards away. The Redskins converted the two-point try, giving themselves a 25-point lead. TCC's quarterback, Alex Price, ran one in from 16 yards. Another point after block made the score 38-19 with 5 minutes and 25 seconds left in the third. One minute and 45 seconds before the beginning of the fourth quarter, Drew Ivey punched it in from 5 yards away, capping the scoring on the contest. Caden Moore converted for 2 points, and the score entering the fourth quarter, 46 for Caldwell and 19 for the visitors. That would be the final score. Caldwell, despite throwing for just 9 yards, outgained TCC 401-313. Caldwell was a plus 1 in the turnover department and forced TCC to turn the ball over on downs 4 different times. Caldwell did commit 11 penalties for 59 yards and surrendered 22 first downs. The win improved the Redskins to 2-1 on the year as for the second straight week they took care of business. Speaking of taking care of business, if you would like to sponsor a segment on this show, or even the whole show, opportunities are available. All you have to do is contact myself via email, or call or stop into the journal office during normal business hours for more details. On the hardwood, the Lady Skins played once during week three. It was a tough night in Woodsfield on the 4th of September for Caldwell, as they dropped all three sets to the Lady Seminoles. Senior Chloe Siddle recorded five kills for the Skins, leading the team. Just one behind her was sophomore Kate and Seacrest. She had four. Claudia Renner and Courtney Allen each had an ace as Caldwell struggled offensively. Seacrest led the defensive charge with the Redskins with eight digs. Allen with five and Siddle had four. Emma Clark had a big game at the net as she blocked the ball three times. Allen recorded a block as well. Allen also led the team with 12 assists for the Redskins who fell to 0-5 on the season and remained winless in the PVC. The Lady Zeps played Union Local on the same night. It was also a sweep, but this time, the Noble County Club took home the victory as the Zeps swept the Jets for the third win of the year, winning 25-16, 25-19, and 26-24. Tristan Smith was perfect from the serving line, accumulating three aces. She also scored 11 points, had one kill, two blocks, one dig, and a whopping 36 assists. She led the Lady Zeps in points and assists and tied with the most aces. Other players scoring for the homestanders included Drew Pakes with 7, Laura Doak with 6, Reagan Flood with 5, and Riley Sherman with 2. Flood continued her stellar season at the net with 18 kills. Whitney Dixon tallied 9 of her own, and Denali Wares killed 7 attempts. Danny Dimmerling defended well with 9 digs. That was good to lead the team. Drew Pakes had 8, Sherman and Dixon each had 6. Pakes and Doak tied with Smith with 3 aces. 
Shenandoah improved to 3-1 on the year, with their record in the PVC remaining unchanged at 2-0. That PVC record wouldn't stay that way for long, as 48 hours later, Shenandoah continued their homestand on the 6th, hosting Monroe Central. Shenandoah showed they are a team to be reckoned with in the PVC, as they defeated the Seminoles in three sets. Shenandoah improved to 4-1 on the year, closing out their play in Week 3 and giving themselves another win in the PVC, improving to 3-0. In cross-country, both schools ran well in Week 3. Shenandoah found themselves at Fort Fry, and Fort Fry is about as deep behind enemy lines as Shenandoah can get. On Saturday, the Zeps finished 3rd for the girls and 4th for the boys in the town of Beverly. Aiden Snyder took home the hardware with a 14th place finish for the boys. He finished with a time of 18.50 and had an average time of 6 minutes and 16.6 seconds. Aaron Schaffel crossed the line 10 places behind Snyder with a 24th place finish. He passed the finish line with a time of 20 minutes and 17 seconds and an average mile time of 6 minutes and 32 seconds. Other Shenandoah finishers were Christian Dunover in 25th, Eli Dimmerling in 33rd, and Mason Stotsbury in 38th. The combined time for the runners came to be 1 hour, 42 minutes, and 45 seconds, with an average time per runner of 20 minutes and 33 seconds. The top finisher for the girls was Kendall Mackey. She completed the three-mile course with a time of 22 minutes and 57 seconds. Brooklyn May was the next highest finisher behind her for Shenandoah, with an average mile time of 8 minutes and 3 seconds and a final time of 24 minutes and 59 seconds. Other finishes for the Lady Zeps included Kylan Biancarelli in 32nd place, Madison McBicker in 33rd place, and Monroe Miller in 37th place. The Lady Zeps combined for a time of 2 hours, 11 minutes and 3 seconds and averaged 26 minutes and 12.6 seconds per runner. While the Zeps were up there, Caldwell went to West Virginia in Mineral Wells for the Chick-fil-A Invitational. The weather was ideal for the distance-running Redskins. Caldwell boys placed 8th in the meet, while the girls finished 6th against some of the stiffest competition they will face all season. The Ladyskins were led by Lauren Fry and Chloe McCauley. Fry finished with a time of 21 minutes and 24 seconds with an average mile time of 7 minutes and 8 seconds. Just 7 seconds behind her, Chloe McCauley finished with a time of 21 minutes and 31 seconds with an average mile time of 7 minutes and 10.3 seconds. Hope Sailing finished in 39th place with a time of 21 minutes and 47 seconds. Other finishers for the ladies and coach Dugan Hill were Callie Hessen in 50th place, Zoe Crock in 58th place, and Jonna Border in 59th place along with Leslie Pfeffer finishing in 99th. The top five runners, those used for the overall time, combined for a time of 1 hour, 49 minutes, and 35 seconds. They finished with a top five average of 21.55. Mason Ackley and Marshall Nicewanger paced Caldwell, each posting a finish in the top 20. Ackley finished in 13th with a time of 17 minutes and 13 seconds. The junior for Caldwell posted an average mile time on the three-mile course of 5 minutes and 44.3 seconds. Marshall Nicewanger finished 19th, just 12 seconds behind his teammate at a time of 17 minutes and 25 seconds. Other finishers for Caldwell include Lucas King in 48th place, Andrew Shin Sang in 67th, Tyler Whetstone at coming in at 113, and Matthew Miller coming in at 133. Josh Money finished in 164th place. 
That'll bring us to Coach Michael Ontko's Caldwell Redskins soccer. The club had one of their two games canceled in Week 3 as the contest against Sandy Valley was washed out due to weather. They did get a shot to get a game in on the 8th in cold and damp conditions in Richmond. Caldwell soccer was doused by the Edison Wildcats 3-1. The rain was intense at times, affecting the competitiveness of play on both sides. Caldwell was able to fire 15 shots on goal, but could only find the nylon once off the foot of Noah Shrike. Keeper Matt Kowalski made 10 saves as he kept the Redskins in the game. Wildcat scores were Ryan McKee and Carter Montgomery. The third score could not be de- identified due to these stat sheets getting soaked. Caldwell fell to 1-2-1 one, and one on the year. Moving into week number four, and we're going to stay with the Caldwell footballers. And that's those of world football, not of the pigskin variety. They were led by Fernando Ornate. Tuesday's game began with a moment of silence marking the 17th anniversary of September 11th and recognizing Patriots Day. Free admission was offered by Caldwell to anyone who wished to attend the contest. While the day started off solemnly, it ended with Caldwell claiming a 4-1 victory over East Richlands. Coach Onko said the field was not in the best condition. Passing and dribbling were difficult for both teams. Weather has not been soccer's friend this season, but he is very proud of the players for fighting through and putting up a much-needed win. Up until the morning prior to the game, standing water was found on the playing surface. Grass was unable to be cut, leaving the turf higher than normal, affecting both speed and accuracy of ball movement. Caldwell rode exceptional performances from Ornate, Shrike, and keeper Matt Kowalski for the victory. Ornate scored twice and added an assist. Shrike tallied a goal and an assist, and Crystal Goman added an insurance goal for the victory. Kowalski made 14 of 15 saves in the, vi- in the win. The recent rainfall did not hamper the attack of the Redskins, who peppered the East Richlands goal with 15 shots. The win brought Caldwell back to the 500 mark, leading them into a game against Monroe Central. Ornate had himself a day. He scored four times, scoring five of the goals for Caldwell in a 5-3 victory over PVC rival Monroe Central. On a day that felt more like mid-June than mid-September, the temperatures rose to over 90 degrees. Also rising that high was the nylon in the Monroe Central goal due to the friction from the ball off the foot of Ornate. His four goals, one of the benefit of a penalty kick, broke the tie he had with Noah Shrike for the team lead. Ornate now leads Caldwell with eight scores. Keeper Matt Kowalski made four saves on seven shots to earn his third win of the year and his second in a row. Crystal Goldman tallied her second goal of the 2018 campaign, and Caldwell improved to 3-2-1 on the season. Caldwell will be back on the pitch on Tuesday, traveling to Magnolia for a return game, looking to get the win that escaped them in a 4-4 tie earlier in the season. As we say in Caldwell, the volleyball team had their hard luck continue. It was a tough Wednesday night for Caldwell, as they dropped all three games to the Lady Tigers of Shadyside, 25-9, 25-13, and 25-19. After the cancellation on Tuesday at Frontier, Caldwell could not string anything together against Shadyside. Caldwell was only able to get three aces on serves, two coming from Courtney Allen, and one coming from Chloe Siddle. Caldwell was able to play decent defense as they combined for 42 digs in the three-game defeat. With the loss, Caldwell fell to 0-6 on the year and remained 0-2 in the PVC as they headed into the makeup game against Frontier. 
on Thursday, Caldwell came back from being two sets down but fell short in the makeup contest as they lost 25-13, 25-19, 20-25, 20-25, and 15-8 in five sets. Coach Mallory Love was quoted as saying, It was a tough loss for sure. We started off slow and then came out on fire in the third and fourth sets. We had a pretty good lead going in both sets, but they made it close. In the fifth set, we seemed to lose our confidence. This is something we're still working on with such a young team. She went on to say she was proud of the way the girls played on that night. They showed us that they've got it. Now it's just getting them to come together. Chloe Siddle led the resurgent Lady Redskins. She led the team in aces with five, kills with 20, and digs with 21. This was Caldwell's seventh defeat to begin the season and their third in three games against PVC competition. Caldwell played in the Buckeye Trail Invitational on Saturday, dropping three games to Lindsley, two games to Edison, and two games to Buckeye Trail. Statistics and scores were not available at the time of this recording. Caldwell returned to the court on Monday, hosting Bellsville and getting their first victory of the year. Stay tuned for that coverage on the next episode. Let's stay on the volleyball court, but go to that school up north as Shenandoah. They began week number four by dropping a nail-biter to Warren. After falling behind in two sets, Shenandoah fought back to force a fifth set. However, Warren shut the door in the final frame as they defeated the Lady Saps 25-20, 25-20, 20-25, 20-25, and 15-12 on Monday. Coach Megan Grawalski said, Warren was the toughest team we've played so far. They had such solid net play that we haven't seen yet. Some of our players did play their best games today. Whitney Dixon stepped up in the front row and dominated the net for us. Riley Sherman served strong and played defense well past her years. Danny Demerling and Maya Stahl probably played the most intense I have ever seen them. The Lady Zeps fell behind by identical scores in the first two sets. Demerling, the lone senior on the team, led her fellow players on the comeback trail. She went 23 from 24 on the serving lines as she scored 13 points to lead the team and recorded two kills on 10 digs. Dixon tallied eight points, one assist, and a whopping 23 kills to go along with three blocks and one dig. We never liked to lose, but we played as one, and I am so proud of my team. We were down 0-2 and made it to Game 5. That says enough about what kind of team we have. Two days later, Shenandoah swept Wheeling Catholic in a three-set victory for the Lady Zeps. The Lady Zeps defeated Wheeling 25-10, 26-24, and 25-7 at home. The Lady Zeps' defense was stellar. No player had less than four digs, and the team combined for 69 overall. Danny Dimmerling led the way with 17. While the Lady Zeps had a great first and third set, Laura Doak had a fantastic night. She went 15 for 17 on her serves, with six going as aces. She led the Zeps in points as well with 10. She tied Ring and Flood for second with 10 in the kill column and had five digs. The next night, the Comets of Fort Fry came into town and defeated the homestanding Lady Zeps in three sets by the scores of 25 to 10, 25 to 20, and 25 to 14. Coach Krawalski called it a very disappointing loss. The only players in double figures in any major statistic was Tristan Smith with 12 assists. This was Shenandoah's first loss in four outings against PVC competition. However, Shenandoah Volleyball ended the week on a high note as they played twice on Saturday, defeating two Catholic schools, St. John's Central and Bishop Rosecrans. 
However, Shenandoah Volleyball ended the week on a high note as they played twice on Saturday, defeating two Catholic schools, St. John's Central and Bishop Rosecrans. The Lady Zeps took on St. John's first and won in two sets, 25-13 and 25-16. Shenandoah collected 13 aces from the line with Tristan Smith racking up four, Laura Doak with three, Danny Dimmerling with two, and Denali Wares and Drew Pakes, along with Riley Sherman, each having one. The second game of the day came against Bishop Rosecrans. Shenandoah dropped the first game 25-19, but fought back and won the next two, 25-20 and 25-18. Coach Grawalski said she was very proud of her girls for pulling off two wins today. They are a team of low numbers, especially missing Rick and Flood, who could not attend the games. She said she had to work some new girls into new positions that they haven't played all season, but they did a great job making their adjustments. Shenandoah finished their week with a 7-3 record overall in the season. That'll bring us to the cross-country circuit, and Shenandoah had strong outings from several of their runners on Saturday in Meadowbrook at the Colt Carnival. Both the boys' and girls' teams claimed 14th place finishes at the meet. Kendall Mackey was the best finisher on the girls' side as she claimed a time of 24 minutes and 57.4 seconds, good enough for 27th place just outside of a medal. The highest finisher for the boys was Aiden Snyder. He finished in 55th place with a time of 20 minutes, 27 and one-third seconds. Other finishers for the ladies included Carsey Felder in 65th, Brooklyn May in the 82nd position, Madison Vicker finishing 99th, and Monroe Miller one spot behind her at the century mark. For the boys, Christian Dunover finished 72nd, Aaron Schoffel finished 83rd, Eli Dimmerling finished 91st, and Mason Stotsbury finished in the 135th position. Shenandoah's junior high also ran on Saturday. The male runners finished 6th overall in the next two meets due to a conflicting volleyball schedule. The junior high girls team will not compete. Coach Colleen Casper will have her runners going the distance on Tuesday down in Hannibal at River High School. While the Zeps were at the Colt Carnival, Coach Dugan Hill took his athletes to Belpre. The fleet-footed Redskins ran their way to the tops of the leaderboards on Saturday. The girls finished in second place while the boys put two runners in the top seven and finished in the seventh position. Mason Ackley continues to be one of the best runners in the area. His fourth place finish in the event, the Belpre Invitational, came at a time of 17 minutes and 44 seconds. He finished 7.4 seconds behind the runner ahead of him and 45.8 seconds behind the race winner from the homestanding Belpre. In seventh place, Marshall Nicewanger ran one-tenth of a second under 18 minutes. Nicewanger finished with an average mile time of 5 minutes and 48 seconds. He was 6 seconds slower than his teammate, Ackley. Other finishers for Caldwell included Lucas King in 28th place, Andrew Shinsang in 80th place, Tyler Whetstone in 91st, Matthew Miller in 110th, and Josh Money at 147. The Lady Skins finished just 3 points behind the winners of the meet, Ripley High School. Four Redskin ladies finished within five spots of one another. All seven runners finished in the top 43. The leading finisher for Caldwell was Chloe McCauley with a time of 22 minutes and 17 seconds. Good enough for 11th place. Seven seconds later, Lauren Fry crossed the line in 12th. Hope Sailing finished in 14th. The next racer for Caldwell to cross the line was Zoe Crock. She finished with a time of 23 minutes and 2 seconds. Jonna Border finished in 22nd place. 11 racers later, Callie Hessen crossed the line. And the final finisher for Caldwell in 43rd place was Leslie Pfeffer. Her final time was just a hair over 25 minutes at 25.01. 
Caldwell had their entire female team in the top 34% of runners in the race. Caldwell will try to improve their state ranking, which is now 20th on Saturday at the Rio Grande Invitational. That brings us to the only two events on Friday. But before we get to those games, I would like to wish a speedy recovery to the on-field official who collapsed in Sandy Valley during their football game on Friday night. At last check, according to Twitter, his condition was improving and he is on pace to be okay. I wish the best of luck to you, sir. On to happier events, and both sets of football fans went home happy. It was a ground attack that enveloped the Monroe Central Seminoles on Friday, as Caldwell defeated their PVC rival 26 to nothing in Woodsfield. The defense held Monroe Central to just 250 yards of total offense and forced two Monroe Central turnovers. Caldwell dropped Monroe Central to 0-4, and as stellar as the defense was, it was the ground game that did the damage. Senior Drew Ivey and sophomore Caden Moore slashed and gashed the Seminole defense to the tune of 410 combined yards. Ivey averaged 11.5 yards per carry on 20 attempts, good for 230. Caden Moore averaged 15 yards per carry on 12 rushes. He finished with 180 on the ground. Moore took the ball to the house twice, once from 67 yards out and the other from 40. Both of those long runs came in the fourth quarter to help Caldwell put Monroe Central away. The opening score of the contest came from Ivy. After a scoreless first 12 minutes, Ivy found the end zone from 17 yards away. Caden Moore converted the two-point try. It was the only point after try that Caldwell was able to convert in his game. In the third quarter, sophomore Tanner DeVold lunged across the goal line to put Caldwell up by two scores. In the fourth, Caden Moore had his two touchdowns, and the game's final buzzer sounded with the scoreboard reading 26 to nothing in favor of the Redskins. Caldwell ascended to 3-1 on the season and won their first game against a PVC foe. Next week, River will flow into the fairgrounds for a 7 p.m. kickoff. A bitter rival came into Shenandoah on Friday in the form of the Barnesville Shamrocks. It was a scorcher in Sarahsville, but Shenandoah's defense cooled Barnesville shutting out the Shamrocks 12 to nothing. We're really banged up, Coach Wells remarked in his post-game comments. With several missing starters, the Shenandoah running game wore down the Barnesville defense. But it was the Zep defenders who were the story of this contest. Shenandoah forced two turnovers conventionally and made Barnesville turn the ball over on downs on five different occasions. Cade Dinas had a fantastic game. He made three terrific plays on passes, intercepted another, and recovered a muff punt on special teams. Dinas teamed up with Easton Hitchens on a fourth and one play to stop Barnesville on the Shenandoah 14-yard line early in the second quarter to help preserve the shutout. The only two scores of the contest came from 12 yards out. The opening drive of the game went to the home team, Shenandoah. Boone Jones led the Zep offense to the Barnesville 12-yard line in three minutes and 42 seconds. Jones rolled to his right and found a wide-open Kendall Sherman. Shenandoah did not convert the two-point conversion. The second score of the contest showed something Coach Wells has taught since his very first day at Shenandoah, and that's playing until the whistle blows. Ethan Wiley took the direct snap up the middle with 2.35 left in the third quarter. Wiley would not be denied as he kept his legs driving and found Pater. Several of those watching, including myself, believed the play to be over not once, but twice. The game between the two rivals got chippy at times as both teams were assessed targeting penalties at different points in the game. The game was physical and a defensive battle. 
Coach Wells said they were finally playing like they know what they were doing. The defense showed exactly what they know. With the victory, Shenandoah climbs back to the 500 mark at a 2-2 record. Next week, the Tigers of Shadyside roll into Sarasville with a kickoff slated for 7 p.m. on Friday at the airfield. But before we get out of here, let's recognize the Noble County All-Stars from Weeks 3 and 4. In Week 3, Drew Ivey of Caldwell and Tristan Smith of Shenandoah took home the honors for their stellar play on the football and volleyball fields. Ivy ran the ball with authority last Friday at the fairgrounds, racking up three scores in a 46-19 victory over TCC. Ivy was one of three runners to score on the ground during that game and was a large contributor to a 392-yard attack. He also finished as the runner-up for Caldwell in week number four. Smith had herself one heck of a week in week three. In two games, she was perfect behind the serving line, accumulating seven aces, six digs, scoring 24 points, and amassing 67 assists. Smith's performance helped Shenandoah go 2-0 with wins over Union Local and Monroe Central. Week 4 gave the sports desk a plethora of athletes to choose from. The winners from that week were Fernando Ornate of Caldwell and the entire Shenandoah defensive unit on the football field. Ornate scored six goals and added an assist in two wins for Caldwell, helping the team have a perfect 2-0 week and getting back over the 500 mark. It was hard to single out one player on the Zeps defense, although Easton Hitchens and Kate Dinas made it tough. Shenandoah limited a rough Barnesville offense to a goose egg and got the Zeps off of a two-game losing streak amidst a rash of injuries. Athletes receiving honorable mentions in both weeks included Caden Moore, Danny Dimmerling, Ethan Wiley, Kendall Mackey, Mason Ackley, the runner-up for Caldwell in week number three, Marshall Nicewanger, Lauren Fry, and Chloe McCauley. Additionally, stellar performances by both marching bands and both teams' cheerleaders need to be recognized. If you see any of those hardworking ladies and gentlemen, give them a shout and pat them on the back. The Noble County Cup standings remained unchanged as neither school faced one another in head-to-head or meet play. As it stands going into week five, Caldwell maintains a narrow 4-2 lead. That brings us to the end of episode two of Around Noble County Sports. For all of us here at the Journal, we'd like to say aloha and goodbye.